Who are they? How did they get here and where are they now? I'm Tyson Chastain, Director of Alumni Relations with Johnson University, and this is the Sojournal Podcast. Have you heard about Johnson University's Vanguard Church Partners Program? Churches who seek a more dynamic relationship with the university are invited to join this partnership as we work together to foster stronger connections between churches, the university, and the students who attend Johnson from VCP churches. Student scholarships and a variety of church benefits reinforce the partnership of Johnson University with each partner church. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash Vanguard or call Brian Lakin, Director of Church Relations at 865-251-2141. Today, we're joined in the Sojournal podcast by 1994 Johnson University, Tennessee graduate, Matthew Sullivan. Matt, welcome to the Sojournal podcast. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. Matt, would you mind giving a general introduction of yourself to our audience members who do not know you? Yes, I'm Matthew Sullivan, or Matt is what I went by when I was at Johnson, graduating in 1994. I am married to Tina. She teaches kindergarten at Shoals Community Schools where I live. I preach at the Shoals Christian Church have been here for 21 years. I have four sons, and I also teach at Louisville Bible College right now. Perfect. Four sons, Louisville Bible College, and a minister. You're a busy guy, Matt. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be a part of it, though we are interviewing actually before school starts there at Louisville Bible College, so you got a little bit of a break before the storm. Well, Matt, tell me a little bit about your childhood. Where were you raised, and what was early faith life like for you? I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. My parents met at a Christian service camp in Noonan, Georgia. My dad was a student at Atlanta Christian College, and I was born while he was still a student there. Of course, I would have no memory of any of that, but my dad's a preacher, and we left from there. I think he was preaching at Conyers. We went to Mississippi. We went to Vincennes, Indiana, which is only about 40 miles from me where I'm at now, which is an interesting dynamic when we find ourselves on that part of the state, there are still people who will say to me, are you Tony's son? I mean, it's just really (laughs) odd dynamic to have happen. We moved around. Dad worked for several evangelistic associations, GTO, evangelism now, and that was person-to-person ministries. And then we moved back to Carrollton, Georgia, my dad's home when I was 11. From a spiritual journey, I don't ever remember not being in church. Mm. That's just who we were. My dad was a preacher And when he wasn't preaching full-time, he was working for evangelistic places that were sending him out to do revivals. The church was our life in a lot of ways. And so that's just what it was like early on as a kid. I just don't ever remember not being a part of the church. My dad was never overbearing or anything like that. You know, I don't ever remember being asked, for example, on Saturday night at supper or Sunday morning at breakfast, are you and your brother going to church with us tomorrow? (laughs) It was, we were going. But I never felt like if I didn't go, I was a terrible human being. It was just part of our life. It was just kind of segued into everything Mm. we did. You know, I've had an advantage a lot of people don't have. I've just grown up in a very Christian environment, very Restoration Stone Campbell movement oriented family. You were raised from the earliest days in the Restoration movement in a Christian home, which is a wonderful thing, wonderful advantage, as you said. Now, you mentioned several stops between Atlanta when you were born to Evansville, you were 11. What were the stops in that journey? How long were you at any particular place? Well, I don't think I was very old when we moved to Mississippi. We were close to Tupelo, but we weren't in Tupelo. And the only thing I remember it even as a kid is Elvis was from Tupelo. 
<laughs> I'm more of a child of the 80s, not the 70s. That didn't mean nothing to me much. Uh-huh. And then we moved from there to Vincennes, Indiana, where my brother was born. And my kids, one son just graduated from Vincennes University. And I have another son who attends there. So that's kind of a cool thing. And then we left from there, went to Florence, South Carolina. And really, in my formative elementary years, that was the longest stay. I started school in Florence. And we lived in Florence about six years. And then from Florence, dad took a position with person-to-person evangelism as a full-time evangelist. And so he would go out and do revivals. We lived on Restoration Acres is what it's called. We lived in the house there for two years. And then when I was 11, we moved back to Carrollton, Georgia, where my dad grew up. We moved next door to my grandparents. Dad preached at a church called the Maranatha Christian Church, very small congregation. He worked for Solomon Electric, my grandfather's business. He sold real estate. He sold insurance. And I lived there from the time I was 11 till I was 20. And at 20 years old, I felt like it was time to get serious because I had done some floundering, I'll be honest. Mm. Went to Johnson. My cousin Christy was at Johnson, and she just trumpeted Johnson every time she got around me. (laughs) Probably November, October of 1989, Dad and I went and visited Johnson We've talked to other schools when all that was over, you know, the admission stuff, you've been there, you're touring the campus. Larry Green was the only guy who prayed about my decision. Mm. When I left that office, Larry just prayed about my decision. He didn't say God make him come to Johnson. He just said, just give Matt direction, take him where you want him to be. (laughs) January of 1990, I entered Johnson Bible College, now Johnson University, and I've never had any regrets for that decision. You know, that does not surprise me about Larry Green, a conscientious guy that way. We're fortunate to have him, you know, back as a part of the Johnson family right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So just so many stops along the journey. As a preacher's kid, you often hear about right. rebelling against the ways of the father or just sometimes the junk the preachers can go through and the kids saying, I don't want anything to do with it. So during your formative years, tell me about, you know, how all of that played out for you. I have learned as an adult that my dad faced several challenges like most preachers in smaller towns and larger towns, large churches too. I understand that, Mm. but you know, difficult things and issues, but I never really knew a lot about that. So I didn't get into that. Uh, There was not much rebelling. It just wasn't in me. I had my own set of rebellion, but it never came out in a lot of the ways you hear. And and I've, I've talked to some preacher kids that have just gone through horrible experiences in churches, but fortunately It's not been mine or my kids at this point's experience. You have other siblings? Yeah, I have a brother, Mark, Uh who is a couple years younger than me. He's a lieutenant on the fire department in Douglas County, Georgia. In fact, he was just recognized just last week for saving two different people's lives. Wow. And that's what he does. He also, if you would have gone to the Gaither Vocal Band concert, it's probably been three or four or five years now, he designed their backdrop. He does a business. This is our logo here at the church. He designed that for us. He's done stuff with Kirk Cameron. He's got the touch. He's very generous. So Lime Biscuit. Lime Biscuit's what it's called. And I mean, he's got some good clients. So if anybody's looking for good graphic design, they need to reach out to your... But everything he does, he does well. In detail in automobiles, he's just always been good at stuff. Like, I can't stay on task a lot of times. So he can just <laughs> focus and get things done. He's very good. Wow. So you got the preaching bug or whatever it is. Your brother did not get that. But still, I mean, service to mankind through the fire department is a wonderful thing, of course. 
You were talking about on your journey, 20 years old, when you finally decided to get serious. So tell me, when was the time that you actually gave yourself to the Lord? I was 12 years old when I got baptized. You know, Uh the truth is I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a sportscaster. And when I went to Johnson at 20, I was in the telecommunications program. Mm. That's what my minor, of course, at Johnson, your major's Bible. But my minor was in telecommunications. And I edited audio tape with real razor (laughs) blades. I would try to edit with the computer. And I never could get the words to line up, but I tried. I mean, that's what I did. And I ran the sound for chapel my senior year. I ran the sound for all of homecoming my senior year. But somewhere in there, I just decided this is what I wanted to do. Hmm. I was was going to be a preacher. And I was married in January 93, and I was ordained in February 90. So married January, ordained February, graduated 94. Wow. So what was the delay between high school and college for you? I went to West Georgia. It's university now. Now, University of West Georgia, it was West Georgia College mm-hmm. for a semester. Frankly, I just didn't do well because I didn't do well. What nobody's fault but mine. Mm-hmm. And then I dropped out. I finished a semester, but I didn't go back. I worked as a produce manager, I guess it wasn't really my title, but that's what I did in a grocery store the night that year of 1989. Just it was around the fall of 89 when it was just like, I got to do something. Mm-hmm. And I just went to Johnson. I needed to get back to school. I knew the longer I waited, the worse it was going to get. Was there any reason you didn't choose Atlanta? I mean, being that that was your dad's school, or was that maybe why you avoided it? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I talked to Atlanta. I talked to Denver Size more and some of those guys who were still there. They would come to Cross Plains, my home church, and Denver did a revival. And and I don't know. The only other school I considered, other than Johnson, was Kentucky. Hmm. We had a guy who was just a part-time youth minister at Maranatha, Ron Boswell. And Ron had gone to Kentucky Christian College, and he took me my junior year to high school days. Mm-hmm. I had a really good time, and I really enjoyed it. But I'm telling you, my cousin Christy, that's all she talked about. <laughs> you want to come to Johnson? I didn't see her very often. But when I saw Christy, it was all about Johnson. Why don't you need to trust me? You won't regret coming to Johnson. And she was right. <laughs> I didn't regret coming to Johnson Bible College. <laughs> I'm glad that you listened to Christy and came yeah, to me Johnson. Yeah, me too. I got a good education and I met a lot of good friends and met my wife. It worked out really well. Well, let's talk a little bit about that then. When you came to Johnson as a 20-year-old, I guess you were still officially a freshman. Yes. Um, nothing transferred. Your... Trust me, nothing <laughs> transferred. So what was your experience like then here? Let's talk about it You know, socially, academically, spiritually. Socially, what kind of things were you involved in as a student? Well, I got there in January. So a lot of the stuff was already started, like student council and stuff like that. And I never was me. I'd go eat and visit different people. I just got involved in dorm devotions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You find the people with common interests and we might go bowling and those kinds of things. And that socially is what I did. I just, it was the last semester that Stafford Davis was our resident guy at Brown Hall, you know, just getting to know people. Of course, one of the things that helped was there in March, you have the tournament. And I had brought a TV. So I took my TV during the NCAA tournament. I just sat it out the third floor of Brown Hall out in the lobby. And me and John Parkey and Aaron, a bunch of us, we were just sitting there watching. We just watched basketball. And I would go to the basketball games there and watch those and just little by little. And, you know, you had guys on our floor like Mike Luzatter and people like that. They were just great guys. they just come talk to you and welcome you to campus and stuff like that. And so that mm-hmm. helped a lot. I didn't take a heavy load, and because of Dr. Black dying the semester before, 
Dean Blevins took the Old Testament class. Bill Blevins was teaching that class because they just had to have somebody teach it. Of course, he was also, I think he was academic dean at the time. Mm -hmm. And so between um, Donnie Trenum, music appreciation, a couple of other things, I didn't have Saturday classes hmm. because Dean Blevins' class was a three-hour class I met Tuesdays and Thursdays because of his duties as dean. He didn't have a class on Saturday. Oh, nice. That was a nice first semester. So socially, you weren't an athletic guy or anything like oh, that? No, you didn't, no, You didn't get into any of this? No, I didn't do anything like that. I mean, I'm just not athletic. I love sports, but, I'm, <laughs> but I do enjoy watching basketball. That's cool, pulling out the TV. Of course, so many of the students, especially at that time, were Indiana uh, students. Yeah, tons so. of people from Indiana. Very few people other than my cousin was from Georgia. Somebody had to be the oddball. And Christy knew a lot of people, so that helps. You uh -huh. know, So she took me to Bearden. To the church, Tommy Smith was preaching there, and that's where I really started going to church. There was at Bearden. Oh, nice! And as I got to know a few other guys, we ended up at Westtown for the rest of our time. I did a lot of Christian service for Westtown Christian. Okay, was George Clark there at the time? Yes, he was there. We got married there. So, what year did Tina graduate? Ninety-five. Ninety-five. Okay. Yeah, she was there on the five-year LED program. Oh, nice! So you guys both came in at the same time. I guess she was there a she semester came in before in you. She came in. Yeah, she got there the semester after I did because she got oh, there in August. Okay. So she would have come in August of 1990, and I was there in January of 1990. There you go. Okay, good. So what about academically? What do you remember about your classes? Who's a couple of faculty members that jump out to you? Maybe a couple uh, Donnie Trenum was very disciplined, and he expected us to be very disciplined, and I appreciated that because mm. I hadn't been very disciplined. Bill Blevins was full of grace, mm. which I appreciated. And Brad Burnett was more interested in us learning than being a strict academic guy. One of the easier classes I took was Life of Christ. Hmm. But not because he wanted it to be just, that's just how he was. I felt like those were good classes to start out with at Johnson. And so it seemed like I had a full load, but I couldn't tell you what all I took my first semester. Well, what about the rest of the years? What other oh, classes jump out? Tom, Tommy Smith and Stan McDaniel. They weren't the only ones, but those two stand out as two professors that I knew were expecting me to do my best. And if I didn't do my best, they were going to call me on. Mm. And I still remember, I guess I was in restoration history with Tommy. And he asked a question based on Western Civ because he taught Western civilization. Uh -huh. So I answered the question. <laughs> and he said, well, good, Matt. I'm going to take your B plus and move it to an A minus. And I had gotten a B plus in Western Civ. I don't know if it was just him throwing that out there or he actually remembered my grade. I don't know. <laughs> I had Tommy for interpreting the Bible, hermeneutics, that, and then David Reese. But I tell you, the faculty at Johnson was anything but subpar. It was a fantastic faculty. Mm. I knew when I left Jerry Manley's class or Dennis Gartner's or whoever it was, I was getting the best they had. Mm. And I enjoyed it. What helped my grades was getting married. <laughs> yeah, my wife, I would give credit with putting me through. She was, I don't know if I'd have done it without her. Yeah. It just changed everything. Of course, when you're not up at 1 a.m. in the dorms doing silly stuff, yeah. that'll help. I was on security at Johnson. One of my favorite moments was just we had a situation. Someone hit a car in Brown Hall, and they hit it hard enough where they knocked it over the railroad ties that kind of acted as a buffer between the parking lot and the grass at the time. And we all got asked about it. Of course, I said, no, I was on duty that night. So I was one of the few people they asked. I said, no, I didn't do it. I don't know who did it. And come to find out, Ben Lutz had basically interrogated every other security person that worked that night. But Ben had not talked to me. 
And so I went to Dave and I said, Dave, why has Ben not talked to me? Is he like saving everything up for me? Am I going to get, he said, no, I told him you said you didn't do it. And I believed you. That's, that's pretty good. I felt pretty good. That was a good, from Dave Legg, that was a great compliment to me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But when that happened, I did hit a car though. As you were uh, security patrol? Yeah. I, well, we didn't, the car was broken and it was the truck. It was the night of the game seven between the Braves and the Pirates, 1992. And I was locked into the radio. And that's the old station wagon they used to have. They used to carry around and they'd fill up all the Coke machines. I just turned too soon and I hit it. And I heard something go, you know, those shocks on that thing. And I just called Jim late. He's like, okay, we'll deal with it later. It didn't make a mark or anything, but I thought after what happened, I wasn't going to wait. <laughs> yeah, right. We're going to hit this now. Did anybody ever figure out who went over the railroad tie? I suspect it was my partner. I don't uh, remember his name. He wasn't there very long. And the reason I suspect that, it was a Monday night, and we had an RA meeting. So I had my RA meeting, and he drove. He came on early and drove around for me. He patrolled while I went to my RA meeting. And I came out of Brown Hall, and I called him, Ranger, whatever, this is Ranger, come pick me up in front of Brown Hall. And I looked, and you know, back then, Brown Hall is where Johnson Hall is now. Right. And you could see pretty much every angle, every way to get to Brown Hall, I could see. I never seen him, and all of a sudden, he comes around the back of Brown Hall. I never think anything of it. He picks me up, but I'm thinking, how did you do that without me seeing him? And so, I don't know. I suspect it might have been him. I don't know if they ever found out for sure. <laughs> do you do you remember uh, any particular lessons that came out of Tommy or Stan's or David's classes? Stan taught me how to write. How to write? How to write. We had to write papers in E-prime. In E-prime. Yeah. Don't ask me what that is now. That was 30 years ago. Okay. Honestly, Stan taught me speech, too. Stan oh. was a speech teacher. He taught me that you didn't have to lecture on the book to actually have class. <laughs> Back then, in 50-minute classes, Stan would just rant for 50. And he wasn't. He was teaching us things. But when you're a freshman, it seems that way. Right. Tommy uh, taught me a lot about Restoration history. Mm. Taught me a lot about Western civilization and our place as a country in the world. Those kinds of things. He taught me, just Tommy had absolute integrity when I was in his classes. And just showed me the importance of integrity. David Reese, he had integrity, how smart he was. Just, man, he was so smart. Him and Cindy did our premarital counseling. You know, a lot of the things I've learned there, I try to put into practice in my marriage. And so mm -hmm. we've been married years. So, how many? 30. 30. Mm. 31 in January. Congratulations on that yeah. longevity. That's a good thing. Did you have Bob Martin? Yes. I did have Bob Martin later on. You know, obviously, I had him for Life of Christ too. Mm -hmm. And then I had him for apologetics mm -hmm. and systematic theology. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Bob just had that presence about him. I never felt like Bob was heavy handed, mm -mm. but he just, his presence demanded respect. Yeah. And I appreciated everything he did. I'll tell you what, for him and Tommy, I was always prepared because I knew, you know, be ready. He's going to ask me a question. And sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. But I was never unprepared, which really prepared me. I'll tell you what that did. In seminary, I went to Lincoln and I got my MDiv. And I took a class with Bob Lowry and Gary Hall, who are both passed away now. Scripture in context. Gary did the Old Testament. Bob did the New Testament. We had assignments we would hand in every week. But we had a midterm and a final, and they were oral exams. And they'd bring four or five of us in there. They'd ask us questions. And then... If they ask this John over here a question and John gave the answer, Bob might say to me, now, Matt, how do you feel about John's answer? 
Right. I, I learned a lot of that stuff from Bob and Tommy. Just be ready. And if I missed a class, I knew to go back and get whatever I got. Cause you know, Bob for his final, he may just give you one question. You just, you had better be prepared for the whole semester. Mm-hmm. But Bob was just a solid guy. And I always liked talking to Bob, you know, Bob was a pretty traditional guy. And of course now at Johnson, they would think this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But I remember when, what eventually became audio adrenaline came to Johnson the first time. That was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And Bob was one of the guys who wasn't too keen on it. <laughs> But said, okay, but this is what they want. Right, right. You know, as the chaplain of the chapel, you know, he was kind of like, well, I'm going to acquiesce to this moment for them. I always remember Bob being kind of like that, you know, Mm -hmm. definitely had his opinions, but I don't remember it being, you're not a Christian if you disagree with me type opinions. Right, right. And I always appreciated that. I think, you know, that was a good description of both Bob and Tommy and David. I mean, these are guys that you so respect in their classroom oh teaching that you just you want to be your best for their classes tommy was the nicest guy i've ever met just that tennessee southern nice guy but in class he was hard-nosed and i mean he just expected you to be prepared and this was not going to be a class you were going to breeze through Mm -hmm. and even in seminary just like college i had classes that i could just breeze through but i knew with tommy and i knew when i did ethics with stan and even david I knew that I had to be prepared. These were hard classes. It was a lot of reading. And I have to read everything twice because of my ADD. It's just I've always been that way. I'm fortunate I took a lot of those classes after I got married. We lived on Old Orchard Court. My wife was a student of Chris Templer. She was in the workroom all the time. And I would just be at the house a lot of times by myself. And that's what I did. I read because I knew. So uh, let, tell me about that real quick before we move on to the rest of your journey here. How did you meet Tina? What was that whole thing like? She came in in the fall of 1990. I'd been there since January. And I tell people all the time, I don't remember the first time I saw Tina. We just ended up sitting at the same table with the same group of friends. My my best friend at Johnson, still my best friend today is John Bailey and Randy Madden. We met at Johnson. We see each other, talk to each other occasionally. And we just ended up in the same group. We honestly were friends first. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell people all the time, she set me up with another girl. <laughs> and then she got upset because she didn't think that girl was treating me right, which we just went on one date. It wasn't, she was very polite and nice. There was no problem there. So we ended up going out. We were told we started in November of 1990. We got married in January 93 that uh, we held one of the records at Johnson for being engaged and dated the longest. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I would not be surprised if that was true, though. I mean, most. Oh, people... no, no, me neither, me neither, me neither. <laughs> and she graduated the year after I did. She did her student teaching in Oxford. So, so what did you do for that year while she was finishing student teaching? I was teaching? in Madison, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. I started my ministry. Oh, really? We I, I lived in Nashville during the week. She lived in Knoxville during the week. I mean, I, I would come back and she would come. But that's what we did. And I just went ahead and started my full-time youth ministry there in Nashville. So. What was then your journey after you graduated ninety four? Where was your first spot of ministry? How long? What you know? What take me on that journey between Johnson and Shoals? Okay, I went. I did a weekend ministry in Nashville starting in March of ninety three. Mm-hmm. Madison First Christian Church. Then when I graduated, I became the full time associate minister. Jim Barton was their preacher, and they wanted somebody who would fill the pulpit and kind of do a kind of merge into being that role later on. 
Well, it got to the point where I was ready to preach and I knew Jim wasn't ready to step away. And I was okay with that. I didn't blame him. And so December of 97, I moved to Villa Grove, Illinois and became the preaching minister at the First Christian Church in Villa Grove, Illinois. And I was there for four years. And while there, I started attending Lincoln Christian Seminary. We we had two children in Villa Grove. So my oldest son was born in February of 99. I was there for four years. I kind of saw the handwriting on the wall. Okay, you've been here four years. Or, and I didn't want to burn any bridges. I didn't want to be that guy. So we started looking. Tina was pregnant with our son, Robert. And I started sending out resumes. The Shoals Christian Church appeared. Mm-hmm. I sent a resume to the Shoals Christian Church. I sent it in care of Mike Harker. He's still one of our elders. And Mike's daughter, Amy Jane, Amy Harker, went to Johnson and started when Tina did and met Brent James, who started when Tina did, who they were our neighbors. So there's that connection there. You know, mm-hmm. their daughter went to Johnson with us. Their son-in-law went to Johnson with us. Tina was still pregnant with Robert. And they interviewed up me and right before Thanksgiving of um, 2001. Robert was born in December of 2001. Martin Luther King Jr. weekend of 2002, I did my trial sermon. And in March of 2002, we moved to Shoals. Mm -hmm. And in 2004, I went back to Lincoln on campus once a week. I would drive over once a week. I took 12 hours one semester Mm. and a master's program. I I graduated with my MDiv in 2006. We've been here 21 years. We 22 in March. The way me and the church keep up with that is Robert will be 22 in December. And I'll be here 22 years in March. When we moved here, Jonathan was three. Robert was a newborn. And when they talked to me, they said, what what is something you'd like to have happen? I said, well, I said, I can't tell God what to do. But I've got one child, one on the way. And I would like to think that they would have an opportunity to start school and to graduate school at the same place. I said, now, if something were to happen, If there's a moral failure on my part, I'm not asking you to overlook that, but I would like to be able to stay at Shoals. I don't want to have to leave Shoals just because, well, I've been here five years and we're tired of you. Mm -hmm. And I said, I also want to finish seminary. I said, if that's a problem, I'll pray for you. You pray for me and we'll go our separate ways. There'll be no hard feelings. And they said, oh, that sounds great. (laughs) So 21 years later, here I am. We've had two more kids then, since then. Mm-hmm. So I've got a 24-year-old, a 21-year-old, a 13-year-old, 11-year-old. You know, we've had ups and downs here, like most small towns, small church, rural church ministries. Mm-hmm. We were running 110 when I was here. We run 60-some now on a good Sunday. Mm-hmm. I've preached a lot of funerals. Uh, we have Redemption Christian Church down the road where my friend Daryl Land is the preacher in Jasper. They've opened a campus seven miles from us. And I'll tell you, I was just like every other young preacher. I wanted to preach at that mega church. I wanted to be, but back when I was in college, it was Bob Russell. And I'll tell you what, getting getting to know Daryl and all the stuff he's gone through has really cured me of that. <laughs> I mean, we each have our unique set of challenges. I love small rural ministry. I love small town ministry, mm-hmm. you know, and I love teaching at Louisville. And I get to have the best of both worlds here. So hopefully Jonathan or Josiah and Isaiah can graduate. From Shoals, my wife teaches kindergarten there, and she'll have to keep her job because she has insurance and retirement. <laughs> but I sub there some. Well, I run the clock at the athletic events. I introduce the kids basketball, volleyball. I do what's called court-assisted school suspension with community corrections with the kids there. If they get into trouble, they might get assigned three days of CAS. 
I stay with them all day, mm-hmm. keep them on task. Kind of hopefully if you're there with them enough, you can start peeling the onion, find out what's going on, what, you know, what's really happening with them. Mm-hmm. And I also am the chaplain at the jail and I teach there two days a week for community corrections mm. called MRT. Well, you are involved in a lot of different things. Uh, yeah. In and all that's and just souls, gonna happen which is great. To, yeah. I mean, we're extremely involved in the community. We love it here. Well, Matt, this has been really informative. And I appreciate you taking us through your journey. Before I let you go, I got to get you with a couple more questions. One of them is considering everything that you've been through in your journey, what is a lesson from life or ministry that you would really want to pass on to others? If you're in ministry, your first few years at churches, just love people. Don't change them. And that was a, that had to be a challenge for young guys in 2020. Mm. With COVID and everybody had an opinion mm. and everybody knew what this was about. I believe my dad, my parents caught COVID. I did funerals for people who had COVID. So don't mishear me at all. Mm-hmm. But I knew one preacher who was really pushing his church towards shutting down and everybody had to wear a face mask up. And again, I'm not saying that was, he was coming from his angle. Mm-hmm. I think it hurt him. Mm. Not because he wanted to do that, because he was just basically telling them, this is the only way this can be done. Mm. And when you're coming into a church that's 100 years old and you're 50, like me, I don't care how old you are, it's not going to go. Just love people and work with them and do what, you know, whatever their traditions are. Hey, that's fine. Let that be their traditions for a few. Mm-hmm. Love people, preach to people, visit people, go to the hospital. Because the truth is, we were all the same. We knew everything when we graduated Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> and us, the ministry specifically here, and we all wanted to be, I don't know who it is now, I don't know who the guy on campus, but when I was a kid, Bob Russell, there's more Southeast type churches now than there were in 92, 93, 94. But the truth is, you're going to spend the majority of your ministry at Shoals. The numbers don't add up for everybody who leaves to do ministry to go to Southeast type churches, those types of churches, because 95% of our churches are like 100, 200, 150 and under. They still are. So just go in and preach, because I know if you've come from Johnson, you know how to preach. I know you know how to preach. You've had Daniel Overdorf and Jeff Snell. Not everybody is dynamic the same. Not every, That's okay. Styles are different. But you're coming out of Daniel Overdorf's class or Jeff Snell's class, you know how to preach. You, mm-hmm. If you've paid attention, they've taught you the mechanics of preaching. Don't, don't try to be somebody you're not. You'll be okay. God will put you where he wants you to be. God, <laughs> God does not need our help. And it's frustrating at times. It is. I know uh-huh. it's got to be. But, I, you know, when I left Johnson, when I went into Lincoln, the first thing I was going to do is go back to Johnson and teach. And I've taught a class online, which uh-huh. was great. I enjoyed it. But I'm I'm at Louisville part-time, very part-time. In fact, they don't really pay us. I mean, at the end of the year, they may give us a little bit, depending on what the budget is. But I'm happy to do that. And I'm happy where God has me. When you see Carrie, tell him, tell him I said, hey, I absolutely love Carrie. He's done a lot of great things for the school. This is our 75th anniversary. Yeah. We've had some people that are going to step up and match. And so our first really kind of fundraising drive since Carrie's been there is 75 for 75. And he's trying to get enough people to pledge $75. And we think we might be out of debt by the end of the year. Oh, that'd be so sweet. That's what's really hurt Louisville historically before I ever got there. Way before I or anybody else from ever got there. And, you know, Louisville faced the fate a lot of our church, our colleges are facing, you know, and it's so easy to blame this guy and that guy, but it's just not that easy. Right. It's not that simple. 
you know, I know Johnson's closed Florida and I know it's not from a lack of wanting, you know, trying. In fact, the last time I was at Johnson, they had sent the the one guy you have to send out to raise money for anybody is David Eubanks. And they had sent David or President Eubanks. I just can't get that, get around that. <laughs> President Eubanks to, to Florida. Uh-huh. And he had done a really good job. But I think Gary knew when he did this and the guy, your guys knew, you're already up a steep hill. That's not the only one that's Cincinnati, Lincoln. It's just a tough time. And we've had to change the way we do things. And one thing I know from being on the inside when everything happened at Louisville, it's not that easy. Well, we'll get rid of this guy and put in this guy and everything will change. <laughs> no, it won't. That well, doesn't that's... work for churches. It doesn't work for parachurch organizations. It doesn't work for colleges. No. Well, um, that's exciting for Louisville. Yeah. I and, really and we're going to stay. Tonight. And I think our vision, our vision is just to be Louisville. We're going to be a small school that trains people. You know how many of the little churches we have? Are you been in this area, Tyson? Yeah. They don't have preachers. And they're not going to have a full-time preacher. But for whatever reason, they're probably not going to close their doors until they don't have a choice. And so if you can get someone to go in there and just work at UPS or work at, we have two gypsum plants here in town, for example, and just go over there and preach for them and just help them. That's what we can do. I think that's what we can do well. I'm glad there's Johnson that'll train a teacher because my wife is a great example of what happens. I don't think there's anything. I love it. I'm glad Johnson offers some of the stuff they do. We need Christian doctors and stuff. But since we got it, that's why I feel about people say, you guys need to do more of this. And I'm thinking, well, redemption does that. Why do I want to copy redemption? We don't need another redemption seven miles from redemption. Let's just be who we are and let's let them be who they are. And God will take care of stuff. And he has. I mean, the the impact, I think even our little church with Ides, helping Ides and Mm -hmm. helping his hands, the things we do has made a huge impact on the kingdom. We only send a hundred dollars, but I'd like to think that hundred dollars a month that we send to Johnson's making an impact at Johnson. And And what Daryl does at Redemption is making an impact. So let's just all enjoy the impact we're making on the kingdom and quit worrying about what's happening to Johnson or I'm going to do my stuff here. In a large way, I am who I am because of Johnson Bible College. And it's Johnson University now. I don't call it Bible College. <laughs> I just owe a lot. I appreciate Johnson. I know the person I was when I went. I know the person I was when I left. And those were different people. Well, Matt, thank you so much for all of this. Uh, it's been great talking to you and knowing your journey more and those kinds of things. One more question for you. I'm going to give you a moment to think about it while I do a commercial. Okay. Imagine, if you will, that for the next 60 seconds, everybody in the world is listening to the podcast. You have 60 seconds to address the world. So what would Matt Sullivan say to the world in 60 seconds? While you think about your answer, let me ask our listeners, have you heard about Johnson University's Vanguard Church Partners Program? Churches who seek a more dynamic relationship with the university are invited to join this partnership as we work together to foster stronger connections between churches, the university, and the students who attend Johnson from VCP churches. Student scholarships and a variety of church benefits reinforce the partnership of Johnson University with each partner church. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash Vanguard or call Brian Lakin, Director of Church Relations at 865-251-2141. So Matt Sullivan, a 1994 graduate of Johnson University in Knoxville, Tennessee, with four sons, a 20-year-plus minister at Shoals Christian Church in Shoals, Indiana. Thank you so much for giving us your time today, Matt. Would you mind, what would be your one-minute message to the world? For all the things that we go through as a world, especially here, we're so divided over so many things. And there's a lot going on that I never would have thought would have went on when I was 
10 years ago. That's going on. And we're struggling with things. And and people have different opinions. And, and people that you may not think, there may be people that you sit next in church. There may be people you work next to that you think would agree with you on everything you agree with. And you're going to find out, nope, they don't. There's only one way to bridge that. And that's through Jesus. He's not only the only way to heaven. He's the only way to bridge all these opinions and to come together and to be unified to say, we want to bring more people to Jesus. Hmm. We want to bring more people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then understand that once we bring some of those people to that knowledge, then a lot of their opinions may start to change. Hmm. But it won't be because we fought with them. We argued with them. We told them they were wrong. It'll be because just like happened to us, and this is not every opinion, we we came to a faith in Jesus Christ, and then we found a place that would disciple us, and we found a place that would love us, and through our own personal discipleship, we began to grow. And as we grew, we began to have different opinions. We began to feel guilty about some things that we didn't feel guilty about. That's what's going to happen. That's what we got to train people to do. You know, when I was a kid, we had Democrats and Republicans, independents, but we could all get together and they understood what I believed. We were all still able to eat together and talk together and understand that this is not the end of the world. And it just don't seem to be a lot of that anymore, that we just can't disagree and still get on with our lives. And I don't know, there's just somehow we got to be able to unify around something. And we're not going to unify around any presidential candidate. We're not going to unify against anything, but we can unify around Jesus and the church. The church has got to be ready for the refugees from our culture. That people who believe the answer to all their problems is going to make them better is just there in our culture, be it the sexuality or any of that. It's not just that. And they're going to find out this is not the answer. And as they begin to look for answers, the church, Jesus will provide those answers. Mm-hmm. But the church has got to be ready to help people find those answers where people are at and bring them along. So there's going to be refugees from our culture. There already are who've tried all this stuff. and it's not worked. And we got to be ready to say, well, here, let us see if this will help. And I think it can help, but we got to be ready. And we can't, we can't confront them about every little thing they might've done. You know, we can't necessarily beat them up over their pronouns. We can talk to them and help them learn and pray with them and then let all this kind of go. But we can't just scream and yell at people and think, well, yeah, there you go. They're right. I'm wrong. I think I'll go to your church now. (laughs) it's never happened in the history of anything well that's great response it was longer than a minute but it was all good (laughs) well matt thank you so much for being my guest today on the sojournal podcast this has been a joy to have you oh thank you man appreciate it Sojourner Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University. Edited by Kara Husky. Podcast graphics by Rachel Woolard. Music by Loyal Love. Tune into other Sojourner Podcasts dropping normally weekly on most of your favorite podcast channels. Thanks for listening. (music) 